Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Out here you can find Mark chapter 1. Mark first chapter. Thank God for His Word. Mark chapter 1. And we're going to, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have a whole lot tonight, but we'll see. Sometimes it you don't think you got a whole lot for tonight, and it morphs into a, a pretty big meal. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm just kind of we'll mixing the pot, and we'll see how how much is, you know we get. So Mark chapter one. <clears throat> I want to talk about this. This is the title of my message tonight, <clears throat> and I'll explain it because it'll need some explaining. I want to talk about the answer to an empty cupboard. Thank you for your excitement. I, I know, you, you know, you're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but we'll see. But you're going to, it's going to help you. <clears throat> you know, now let me, maybe I better explain what a cupboard is because that's kind of a, an old word, you know. Uh, you call it a pantry because you're a little bit more French than I am. But anyway, you know, in the old days, we called them cupboards. Anybody old enough to remember that or am I just like dreaming this up or something, whatever? Now, what is that? Well, that meant that's where you had your food. Hey, Amen. You, stu- you had your stuff there, you know. Uh, probably originally it was probably just maybe cups and plates and stuff like that, but, you know, it morphed into, you know, that's where you, your food was at and all. And today we call it the pantry. And, uh, but, you know, uh, I, I'm still kind of old school. I remember the, the word, the term cupboard, you know, where that's where you kept your food. And, you know, nothing's, nothing on earth is much more sadder than an empty cupboard, you know. You just want to stand there and cry when you see that. But thank God. We don't, and what I'm going to talk about, I'm not talking about your food at your house. All right? I'm talking about spiritually, okay? So we're going to talk about the answer to that so that we have something in our cupboard spiritually. Amen. Now, Mark chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 35, it says, And in the morning... Rising up a, a great while before day. So this was several hours before day. He, that, that's Jesus, he went out and departed into a solitary place, a, a place where he could be alone. And there he prayed. He prayed. Now Luke tells us, and there's many examples of Jesus praying, but Luke tells us at one time, that he prayed all night to God. So, you know, Jesus had a busy schedule. I mean, you know, he had a lot of things going on. And so he had to find some time to fit in there so he could spend time with his father. And it just so happened to be that it took him getting up a great while before day. That doesn't mean that, you know, a successful prayer is a prayer that's a great while before day. Back in the 80s, once again, we had a teaching going around about praying an hour a day. And there was, it was a good teaching. There wasn't anything wrong with that. Because, they, you know, if you pray an hour a day, it's going to help you spiritually. Absolutely. And so this, this man was famous for teaching this. And it kind of caught on in the, our circles, you know, pray an hour a day and and yet, but the teaching was, you know, you know what it, took, it was taken out of the scripture where Jesus said, could you not tarry with me one hour? You know, we asked his disciples, couldn't you pray for an hour? 
And then the teaching came, you know, you, you get up uh, early in the morning and you pray an hour, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's probably a good idea. Might make your day go better. But, you know, Phyllis is, uh, she's, a, she's, she's a late night person. She's more alert of the night than the daytime. And there's a lot of people that way. Dr. Berkeley's that way, you know. Um, one time when I first was getting to know him, he called me and I'd ha I had had my phone shut off. We, I was in the city to meet in a meeting and he called me and I didn't see call till midnight. And I thought, well, I'm not going to call him at midnight. So I thought, you know, I hope it wasn't urgent, but I don't want to call it midnight. So I called him the next day, you know, when I got up and I said, well, you know, I saw I didn't see your phone call, sir, till midnight. And I didn't want to bother you at midnight. He said, oh, he said, I'm up till three in the morning. That's when I do most of my work. So uh, you could have called. And that's the way some people are. Phyllis, you know, I told you just before, Phyllis got tired of hearing this, get up early, get up early. She said, there's just as many scriptures where Jesus prayed late. So it really isn't a matter of the time. But what I wanted you to see, it was a priority with Jesus. Amen? It was something that he considered important, so valuable, that he, if he had to, he was going to get up before way early in the morning, before, way before day, to, get, to spend some time with Father. I don't, think, I don't think a lot of the church puts that much value on it. Why is it so quiet? Come on. I mean, you know, I'm not getting on to you. I'm just saying we got to adjust some things, right? Yeah. Amen. And so he put, you know, if he valued it, how many know, and he needed it, I don't know why we would think that we could get by without it and have a successful Christian life. I didn't say you wouldn't go to heaven. I didn't say, you you know, God doesn't love you. I just said, I'm I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, th this teaching now, I know I harp on this a lot, but you have to. You know, it's, it's a shame that we have to get clean. We have to do, it's a shame us pastors now have to do so much cleanup with some of the false teaching going on in the church. But we're just, we just have to. We have to clean it up because you people hear it during the week when you turn your, your Christian television on. You hear some of this, this stuff that's just off. You know, and it's like now the teaching is God's done everything. Well, that's true. Well, that, is, that part's true. We don't have to do anything. That part's not true. That part is not true. I mean, if that was true, every sinner on the earth would have the blessing of God on their life because if it was up to God, he'd give it, everybody would be walking in it, right? I mean, it's his will that everybody's saved. It's his will that everybody's blessed. But we have something to do with it, not, 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 not a curing it or not, man, that's not the right word, but not acquiring it. We couldn't do anything to work for our salvation. God, yeah, that's free. Right? Nothing you can do. But once, once it's been provided, you have to do something to receive. It's called faith. That's right. By faith, we have access into this grace wherein we stand. That's Romans chapter 5. And so a lot of this teaching, it just, it doesn't, it, it's just fluff teaching. It doesn't have any power to it. It won't help you, and you won't, be you won't be blessed. You won't be victorious. You won't be walking in the blessing. And you certainly won't have victory over sin if you listen to these guys teaching this stuff that you don't have anything to do with it. No, we're co-laborers with God. He's moved now, it's our move. And so, you know, we don't earn the blessings of God, but we're going to certainly access blessings by prayer. Amen. And so, no, we couldn't do anything to earn it. That's, that's without question. We're saved by grace. And, you know, it, but, but, but this idea that there's no works, the Bible says that God, hey, he, he recreated us in Christ Jesus for good works. That's Ephesians 2.10. So anyway... 
Don't buy that stuff. Don't believe that stuff. And I'm certainly not preaching to you that. Because, and I, 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 I won't, and I, I don't know that I ever have. If I did, I was off. Because we, we, we have something to do with walking in the blessing. And so if Jesus thought it was important to get up early in the morning, great while before day, then it should be important to us to spend time with our Father in prayer. Amen. Now, well, I, I tell you, I, I did this one time. I looked at the, in, the, in the Gospels, you know, uh, all the times that Jesus prayed. You know, every, every incident where it mentioned him praying. And I, I noticed something. A sandwiched in between that, you know, it, there would be, let me say it this way. There would be on either side of his prayer time power. Power would take place. He'd pray, power would happen. And, uh, you know, so I, I began to notice that Jesus' prayer life produced power. I began to notice that. Now, you can do that yourself. You can go check it up. It's not that hard. But just go through the Gospels and, and look at every place where Jesus prayed and, and watch and see that surrounded by it, surrounded in the vicinity, is, is powers released because of his prayer, his prayer life. Which is why <clears throat> we're going to read the scripture. Matter of fact, go ahead and go to Luke chapter 11 because uh, I want to read this. This is why, probably one of the reasons why the disciples asked him to teach us to pray because they saw something. You know, you wouldn't want to learn how to do something that you, unless you saw fruit from it. <clears throat> Luke chapter 11, <clears throat> let's go there. And um, verse 1, I'm just going to read verse 1, and I'm going to jump down here a little bit and look at some other things. You find it? Yes. Okay, verse 1, it says, It came to pass as, as he, that's Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And then he, he, you know, he gave them the Lord's Prayer, you know, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But then he jumps down and he keeps teaching on prayer in verse 5. Everybody say he's still teaching on prayer. Still teaching on prayer. All right, it's important you know that. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come, and I have nothing to set before him. What's his problem? He's got an empty cupboard, doesn't he? He didn't have anything in the cupboard. And um, he from, verse 7, he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. In other words, he said, you know, I'm sorry, man, I'm in bed. Go, you know, see me tomorrow. And he said, he said, I say unto you, this is what Jesus said, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, he asked for three, but he said he'll get as many as he needs because of his importunity. Now, the word importunity, let me just say this to you because, you know, there's different thoughts about this. But literally, the word importunity, it just means boldness. Or uh, if you look it up, it, 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 uh, it, it just it means brassiness or boldness. It takes a lot of boldness to go to somebody's house at midnight and, and wake them out of a, a sound sleep just to ask for bread. Right? Nobody likes getting, <laughs> well, nobody likes getting awakened in the middle of the night. It better be good, right? Amen. <laughs> right? 
And so um, <laughs> I thought of something. Some guy called me one time years ago in the middle of the night, woke me up. It was in the days you know, when you had, well, you still had landlines, you know. <laughs> you know, phones inside your house that connected to the wall. So. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you couldn't take them with you in your car. And, well, you could, but you have to unplug them to do it, but, you, you know, or take them off the wall. And he called me. I don't even know the guy. And he, he said, I got a word for you. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, well, I'm, um, you know, he told me his name. I said, I don't, I don't know you, do I? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've seen you before. I said, uh, you don't have a word for me. I'm sorry. It's awful quiet, but I'm not stupid. God's not waking me up at 2 o'clock in the morning for some guy I don't even know to give me a word. I haven't even heard of him. I even, he may live like the devil. I'm not taking a word from him. And so, you know, I just said, no, no, sorry. Don't call me at this time. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, you know, <laughs> why are y'all looking at me like that? I'm not weird. I'm not goofy. I'm not, I'm not spooky. You know, God, I know how God operates. He, you know, he's not sending somebody I don't even know to try to direct my life. I'm sorry. You're not going to do it. Amen. Amen. I've got the Spirit of God in me. Amen. I'm, not that I don't believe in prophecies, I do, but I'm, I'm, I want to, you know, I'm going to receive my prophetic words from people that I know that I know their quality of their life. Amen. The Bible says, know those that labor among you. That's what the Word says. I don't know this guy. I don't know who he is. Well, later on to find out he was goofy as a... Well, you add whatever you want to on that. He was just weird. Amen. All right, praise God, moving right along. If I told you some of the things that he said and did, you know, he was going around prophesying there was going to be a, what was that he said? A 52, uh, you know, size earthquake, 52 on the Richter scale. I said, it only goes to 10. He said, it's going to break Indiana right in half. And Well, it hadn't happened yet. It's not, this is goofy. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. But how I many how I got that out of this verse? You all made me preach on that. I got that out of the verse. Nobody wants to be wake, awakened at midnight, right? And so anyway, uh, you know, this guy, Jesus said, he, you know, he, because, because you were so bold about it, I mean, he's going to get up and give you everything you need. You were bold about it, you know? And Jesus went on to say, verse 9, look at this. He said, and I say unto you, ask, and it, it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receives, he that seeks find. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. So what is, the, what is the teaching here? Well, this guy, you know, one of the things that comes out of this teaching is this guy had an empty cupboard. He, he didn't have anything to give his friend. And... Uh, Jesus said, the, the, you know, the guy came and he asked, he asked his friend for, uh, you know, three loaves of bread. And his friend, you know, ended up giving him as much as he needed. Well, what, what's happening here? Well, these guy's getting a supply. I said, he's getting a supply. And it's coming through prayer. Come on, everybody say amen once in a while or else I'm just going to go home. I got a busy life. Come on. <laughs> Now, <laughs> I heard that. Uh, now, have me understand, you have to go back and you have to look and see what he's talking about here. And he's talking about, he's talking about you know, teach us to pray. Well, what's he saying? He's saying, well, prayer is a, gives you a supply. It causes your cupboard to be full. 
Remember what, remember what Peter said, you know, in Acts chapter 3? He said, such as I have. Remember that man? That man said, you know, he's wanting silver and gold. You know, Peter said, well, you know, silver and gold, I don't have any. You know, that doesn't mean he was broke. It just meant his wife took his billfold and went to Walmart. And, uh, you know, uh, he said, silver and gold, I, have, have a, I don't have any. He said, but such as I have, I've got something. I got something in my cupboard I'm going to give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. And what, what, what? he had something to give, didn't he? He had something to give. And you'll see this in Peter's life in the book of Acts. You know, like they went to him, you know, that widow had died, Dorcas. And the Bible said he put them all out, got rid of all the unbelief. And then he prayed, turned to the body, and she, you know, she was raised from the dead. Well, he had something in his cupboard. Amen? So I'm just talking to you about how to have, uh, you know, what's, what's the answer to the empty cupboard? Well, it's your, listen, it's your private prayer life, right? right? Now, you know, thank God for corporate prayer, but you've got to have a private prayer life. Well, I pray when, you know, at church, and I pray, you know, you know in, in, our, in this or that. Well, you've got to have a private prayer life, an everyday private prayer life. Right. Amen. This isn't just talking about, you know, well, we pray at Thanksgiving or, you know, we pray at Christmas or... You know, hey, uh, you know, I come to prayer every now and then. And, and we're, talking about, we're talking about having a, an ongoing private prayer life where you're getting your cupboard filled up. Right. Hallelujah. Now, you'll find this in different verses in the Bible. I'm not just making this up tonight to have a sermon. Um, matter of fact, why don't we see, let's go to, uh, uh, let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 1. Go there. You know, Jesus, the Bible talks about when Jesus was baptized, that he was praying and the heaven was opened. In uh, Philippians chapter 1, Paul said something that was good. Well, you know, he said a lot of things that were good. How many know that? I didn't mean that to sound like, you know, he finally got something good out. No. <laughs> it kind of came out wrong. You know, finally, Philippians 1, Paul finally said something good. No. <laughs> Everything he said was good, right? Amen. Philippians chapter 1 and uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 19, he's, he's writing to the church here. He says, For I know that this shall turn. I mean, sometimes we have to have some things that turn. It'll turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So he, he connected prayer and, and a supply of the Spirit together. So there must be something here when we pray, there's a supply comes to us. What are we talking about tonight? An answer to an empty cupboard. Come on, are you all awake tonight? An answer to an empty cupboard. Uh, so, so we're talking about that, see? And he said, he said this will turn. How I many know sometimes we've we got to have some things turn? You know, some things have to turn. You know, there's things sometimes in our life they need turned. Well, he said, you know, I know, know this will turn, and I know I'll have a supply of the Spirit because of your prayer life, see. Uh, <clears throat> I'm remi- I, you know, it reminds me of the Old Testament story about King Hezekiah. You know, Hezekiah's in his house, and, and the prophet Isaiah comes by, and he says to him, he says, put your house in order for you're going to die. You won't live. And uh, that was... That was the word of the Lord to him. How many want a word like that on Sunday morning? But that was the word of the Lord to him, wasn't it? And the Bible says when, 
Isaiah left, he turned his face toward the wall and he began to pray. And he began to talk to God and he began to say, Lord, remember me. Remember how I've served you and remember my integrity of heart. You know, and he began to plead his case. And Isaiah hadn't got, gotten out of the area yet until the Lord said, you go back and you tell him, I've, I heard his prayer and I'm going to add 15 years to his life. And so he turned his situation by prayer. Amen. You know, I remember a situation, Phyllis will remember this, it was back in the early 90s where it was a family member of ours that had surgery and they were dying. And uh, matter of fact, the nurse came out of the operating room and was crying. Now, that's a bad sign. But she, she kind of lost it herself when she said, it doesn't look like they're going to make it, you know. And so, you know, um, and this person's pastor was there, which, you know, they love God. But, I, you know, I knew they didn't believe in divine healing like we believe in divine healing. I mean, if you're going to believe something, believe it, right? And they believe like, well, God might, He could maybe, but then maybe He might let you die. We just don't know what He's going to do. And so, you know, it was her pastor. I wasn't her pastor. This was her pastor. And uh, he's, he's in there in the waiting room too. And so when that hit, he's like, well, let's all pray, you know. And, and then he turns to me and looks at me and says, would you, would you pray? Would you lead us in prayer? I thought, well, thank you, Jesus, because I'm not going to pray if it be your will. I'm going after this demonic thing. This, this, this person's too young to die like this. Amen. Amen. It's not the will of God for them to die and leave, you know, leave their family this young in life. And that's just not the will of God. And so I, I, I'm, not being, you know, I'm not being arrogant, but I just happen to know what the Bible says. And so I, so I prayed for them to live. And, you know, they started getting better. And then we decided, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to leave the hospital. And when we left the hospital, we got a call, phone call and said, you know, they're getting worse. So we went back to the hospital and stood in faith, and they started getting better. And we decided we were going to leave. We left and got a phone call and said, hey, they started getting worse when you left. So we just decided somebody with some faith is going to have to stay here overnight and stay here until this person's out of the woods. As a matter of fact, we stayed more than one night, I think, if I remember right. Phyllis might remember, might have stayed several days. But it was prayer it was faith that turned the thing. Amen. 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 And I'm convinced had we just, you know, just left, then they would have died. They would have went to heaven. They would have gotten their years before they, they were supposed to be there. But I'm sure they wouldn't have caught Jesus by surprise. Right? But that wasn't God's plan. Amen. His plan was for them to live a little longer, which they did live up until their late 80s, I think something like that, maybe early 90s. But anyway, my point in making this is there's a supply, but you got to tap into the supply. See, we tapped into the supply here because, you know, this, the, 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 there, there has to be someone who knows what's available. Yeah. Amen. I mean, don't you just dislike going to the restaurant and you try to order something. Why, you got fish? Well, I don't know if we got fish or not. Well, you work here. Who's supposed to know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, if you're new, that's different. But if you've been there 10 years, you should have figured out what's on the menu. God will get you what you believe for. 
I like restaurants like that. I like can-do restaurants. You know, we say, you know, I don't want the green beans. You know, give me uh, mashed potatoes. And then you get one, one, you know, some of those. Well, we, don't, we can't do that. You got mashed potatoes? Yeah, well, we can't do that. All you got to do is put mashed potatoes on the plate <laughs> instead of green beans. It's really not all that hard. Right? Amen. You know, I like places that you go in there and, man, you can rearrange the menu. Because I do that a lot, you know. It's like, you know, yeah, you know, give me this, but leave off all the green peppers and onions. Amen. Give me the cheeseburger, but leave off the lettuce, the mayo, the tomato. Amen. You know, I, I, I want I want to, you know, wasn't it Burger King that gave it you, to you your way? Yeah. Well, God will give it to you the way you believe it. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, the answer, if we're going to have spiritual power in our lives, and we're going to have, you know, our cupboard full spiritually, it's, it's, an, it's a consistent prayer life. Right. A personal prayer life. Where, uh, you know, we're spending time with God. Amen. Now, you can, you can go. You can live without that. You know, God's not, you know, He still loves you the same amount. But the point is, is you miss a lot of blessing in life. And there's a lot of things that just don't happen to you that happen to everybody else. Amen. Now, <clears throat> so with that in mind, why don't you go, uh, I tell you what, let's go to uh, James chapter uh, five. We're looking at some scripture tonight. I'm not going much longer, but <clears throat> it's really important that we understand, you know, we have to have this, this, you know, this alive, vibrant prayer life. Like Paul told the church at Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Well, this doesn't mean we're praying 24 hours a day. It just means that, you know, we have an ongoing. It's not something that's hit and miss. <clears throat> amen. I said, Amen. Now, James, this is a real good scripture here, by the way. James chapter 5, it talks about prayer. It says, if you're afflicted, pray. You're sick, pray. <laughs> Amen. And in verse 16, it says, confess your faults one to another. You know, when you've trespassed against one another, is what he's talking about. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen to this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I love, I love the Amplified Bible. It, it says something like this. The effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, dynamic, and it's working. Somebody got the Amplified Bible? Is that about what it says? Read that. Tremendous power available dynamic and it's working. Amen. How many want some of that in your life? Yeah. You know, and you know, I love what he says because, you know, you read that thing, you know, it's like I heard one brother say one time, you know, he said, I, he used to read this verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it, you know, avails much. And he said, I would think if I could ever get to be a righteous man, boy, wouldn't I be a praying whiz? But, you, I mean, if you're in Christ, you are a righteous person. Now, notice what he says, because this is really revealing. Verse 17, he says, Eli Elijah, 
was a man subject to like passions as we are. Now, now, some translations say he had a nature just like ours, which is what it's saying. In other words, you know, he wasn't in the, he wasn't this like, I'm not putting him down, but he wasn't this hot rod, super duper spiritual guy that nobody could be. That's what he's saying. Right? He had like passion. He dealt, he dealt with the same issues as we did. Well, you, you got to know that. I mean, man, you know, he, he killed 400 prophets or 450 prophets of Baal, and then he ran from one woman, the Avon lady, Jezebel. You know, it said she painted her, all right, her face, which we're for that, by the way, as long as you're a woman. Let me clarify that, you know. Amen. Somebody asked Brother Hagin about makeup one time. you believe in makeup? He said, I believe in no barn. Looks better with a coat of paint on it. <laughs> and he said, I'm not calling you ladies an old barn, but, you know, you get the point, right? So, you know what I'm saying. I, 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 don't, I don't, you know, I remember years ago they used to preach about that stuff. I never got into that. I don't care what you do. You nip it, tuck it, suck it, whatever. Whatever makes you feel good, just do it, whatever. I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't know. Let's leave that alone. What do you say? <laughs> I have some more thoughts on it, but they're probably best left unsaid. But Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. See, what does this mean? Well, you know, does it mean, you know, some people think, what well, means he prayed hard, he prayed loud, he prayed, well, that could be, but that's not what it is. It's talking about his heart was in it. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So, I mean, that's a powerful prayer life, but it just came from an average man. But a man that, that you know, that he just wouldn't take no for the answer. You remember the, 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 the Bible gives us the account of this prayer in Kings, and it says, you know, he prayed, you know, he's praying for rain. Because he told Ahab, it's, it's, you know, it's getting ready to rain. You better go get yourself and get where you're going. And he prayed and his servant went out and said, well, I don't see nothing. And he did that seven times. See, go again, go again. Well, what was he doing? Well, he was just simply saying, man, I, he, he was being like Jesus said, importune or bold about it, bold about it. And the fact that he wasn't taking no for the answer. This was going to happen. And he stuck with it. He had heartfelt Prayer life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and so, much power available. How many want power? Amen. So if there's a lack of power in our lives, could it be a lack of prayer? You know, I'm talking about, you know, our personal prayer life. <clears throat> you know, um, sometimes people try to be a, you know, an overnight wonder, you know, <laughs> one whiz kid or something. This is consistency. Right. See, you think, well, you know, anybody can be fervent about something for a week, generally. But it takes consistency to really see the results. You know, Phyllis is always after me to, not always, but she's been after me to take vitamins, you know. You need to take vitamins or minerals or something like that, you know, and all. And I, I'm, I, I have an aversion. I've been that way since a kid of taking, taking pills. I, I just don't like to take them, you know. And, uh, 
But, you know, I'm, I'm doing it now. She bought me some, and, and I had taken all of them, and I thought, well, that's the end of that, you know. I, and then she shows up with another bottle the other day. I'm thinking, no, brother. So, you know, I, I murmured a little bit, you know, and she says, well, I can give them to Brother Greg. He takes Brother Greg Barron, or not Barron, uh, the other guy, Davis. A Greg's a Greg. <laughs> I think Mark has a revelation there. Greg's a Greg. You can't do much with that anyway. All right. We've got all the Gregs in the world offended at us now. But anyway, you know, and she said, well, you, uh, he takes those. I'll just give them to him. You don't want to take them. And I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take them again, you know. But, you know, my deal is, is I want them to be a one, you know, a, a whiz, you know. It's like I want to take them for a week and then, you know, I can leap over tall buildings. <laughs> stop trains. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, it just doesn't work that way. You got to build it in over time. And anything that does work immediately, because I used to take drugs that worked that way. Oh yeah, you take them. And I mean, in a matter of a few minutes, something was happening in your body and that's dangerous, right? I mean, that's that because I used to do that. I used to do that a, a lot. And so that was not good. And so the thing about prayers, people say, you know, or confession or things like that, people say, well, I'm going to do it for a few days, and if I don't see any results, then I'm done. Well, this is something you build in your life. This isn't something like, bam, but I tell you, over time, you'll start seeing results. You'll start seeing power released in your life, and yokes being destroyed and burdens being removed. Let me know, thank God for what we can do to help other people, but really, God expects us to take care of our own issues like that, right. Right? right? You know, occasionally, yeah, especially baby Christians, he'll allow us to, you know, enter in and help them. But once we grow up, he expects us to stand on our own two feet, just like any father would expect his child to grow up after a while. Now, I've seen parents that they still treat their 50-year-old like he's like 13 or 12. They still bail them out when they get in trouble and everything else. And there's got to be a time that's got to stop and you got to say you got to grow up because you're not helping them. You're hurting them. You're keeping them dependent, codependent. And so, well, yeah, but they can't seem to make it on their own. Oh, they'll eventually get it figured out, you know. And besides, you know, God's the same way. I mean, he expects us to grow up. Amen. Use our faith. Right. 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 Amen. Instead of every time, you know, we look for a truckload of Christians to come and bail us out or pastor to bail us out. Well, we're happy to help. Don't misunderstand. Don't read anything into this I'm not saying. But I'm simply saying this. You have to eventually grow up, use your own faith, find the promises yourself, right? Get your Bible off the shelf. Get Spend time in prayer with God. Talk to Him. I remember a lady one time. Many years ago at church, it's none of you, so everybody cheer up. But it was at the Revival Center, you know, and, and I was just associate, and, and uh, Pastor Eddie was, you know, the senior pastor. And, and I remember there being a lady there, and she was having some issues in her life, man. And I mean, I don't know how many times she'd been prayed for and cast out and delivered and everything else, but she still went on with the these issues and these problems in her life. And, uh, 
I remember Eddie finally just like, I don't know what else to do for you. And he told her, he said, I don't, he said there's only one person can help you, and that's God. Do you know what? <laughs> he told her, he said, I've done everything I could do. There's only one that can help you, and that's God. Do you know the next service that lady came back delivered? He said, well, what happened? She said, well... She took to heart what he said. She said, I went in my bathroom and locked myself in and said, I'm not coming out of here until I've received deliverance and help. And she said, I, you know, she spent time in prayer. You wouldn't have to go to your bathroom, but she did. But whatever. <laughs> I'd find a more comfortable place, you know, but than the bathtub. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> but she did. And you know what? She came out of there and she was delivered and never had an issue again the whole time that she came to church when I was there. What happened? Well, see, she needed to know that she had just as much right as anybody in the body of Christ to go to the throne room, yeah. to go to the throne of God and, and, and find grace and mercy to help in time of need. Yeah. Right? God, God was letting her know, now, now this time you're going to have to get it yourself. And that wasn't a bad thing. From then on, the devil could never eat her lunch again and pop the bag because she knew how to touch God. Amen. Amen. See, when we pray on a daily, regular basis, regular basis every day, we're, we're, we're really tuning ourselves up. And we learn how to make contact and connection with the God of the universe. Our faith begins to grow because we begin to use it. Amen. You have to use your faith on something if it's going to grow, right? Yeah. If it's going to develop, you know what I'm saying? I didn't get a body like this just eating. <laughs> Stay out of it. No, let's, let's, all right, let's use a better example. I don't even know who the bodybuilders are today, but when I was a kid, you know, Lou Ferringo, remember him? He was a bodybuilder. Uh, and then a little later came, uh, you know, the... Schwarzenegger, you know, and different ones that I, I remember back in those days. You know, those guys didn't get like that just eating. Eating, You have to eat, but they had to work their muscles. They had to develop them. They had to lift weights. Amen. Foods, food gave them energy, but they didn't develop them, right? You have, see, the Word gives you faith, but you have to develop your faith, which means you have to use it. You have to work out. That's not fun. Amen. Well, how would you know, Pastor? Because I used to be younger than I am now, and I used to work out with weights every day, and it wasn't fun. Amen. There's still a remnant of it left in me. I mean, most of it's blown away, but there's still a remnant where I can... Don't make me rip this jacket out. Every now and then, what happened to that peak that used to peak up? It's like... Oh, there it is down there. Oh. What happened to my forehead? Oh, there it is. There, there it is. What happened to my chest? Oh, there it is. That six-pack became a keg. See, how many of your, your faith will do the same thing. It'll get flabby. It won't develop unless you use it. Which means, and prayer, prayer is one way when every day when you're praying. You're supposed to be using your faith in prayer, right? Well, I just don't know what to pray about. Hey, look around. How many people you see in this room? That's enough to make you pray for an hour. 
I mean, you get to Brother Greg, there's, there's at least 45 minutes. And Mark will take up the other 15, so there you go. That, that ought to hit. That ought to hit. How many understand what I'm talking about? There's plenty of things to pray about. Amen. And of course, you know, the Lord will lead you and guide you at times too, you know. But you know what I'm saying. Amen. Praise God. You throw Dustin in there, and man, you'll be a, it'll be a couple days before we see you. Amen. And everybody said amen about that, right? Go to Jeremiah chapter 33. Did you get anything tonight? All right, one person did. Praise God. And it was a Greg. Come on. Jeremiah 33. We're just talking about the answer to an empty cupboard. When You've got to have your cupboard filled up, spiritually speaking. And the way you do that is prayer. That's why Jesus would spend those times in prayer because he knew he was going to go out amongst the people that day and he had to have something to, to give them. He, right. he had to have the, the three loaves of bread. Right. And so he would go to his father to get it. Remember, he would say, whatever I do is what I see my father do. See, what I, wh where's he seeing his father doing that? Well, he's seen it in prayer in his prayer time. You know, he's seeing things. He's picking up things and all. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, sometimes I think people have the idea that Jesus just floated around. If he bumped into you, he might pray for you. No, he had. He, there were people that stopped him, but their faith stopped him. You know, like the woman with the issue of blood. She stopped him. He was going to Jairus' house. And Jairus had stopped him. But for the most part, he had meetings. He had meetings in different cities. You can read that in the Bible. They went ahead and prepared, and he would hold meetings, and he would preach just like a preacher would do today. So he had an itinerary. He had, he had an agenda, if you will. And so, you know, but he would pray about it. He would get God's plan. He would get God's will. Right. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, we, 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 and he would go in there, and he would, he would get something for the people. Amen. I mean, I've heard ministers say, I'm, I'm afraid of those people that say they hear from God. I'm afraid of the dummy that gets up and preaches and doesn't hear from God. You know what I mean by afraid. I mean, I don't want to hear from him. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Right? I don't mean God just, you know, he just like, you know, I go in my study on Wednesday to get ready for service and God shows up and says, Hey, preach on an empty cupboard. No, but he witnesses, his spirit witnesses with your spirit. I mean, I'm just praying about it and he brings up this cupboard thing. And I'm thinking, okay, I got it. You know, I know what you want to talk about. We need to know this, right? We want, we want our cupboard full spiritually. Look at Jeremiah 33. We'll close right here. <clears throat> Verse 3, God said this, He said to Jeremiah, He said, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things which, you don't, which, you, which thou knowest not, or you don't know anything about. <clears throat> but God, look, God said, Call unto me. And that's, what, that's when I'm going to answer you and show you great, now, great and mighty things. Now, here's the thing about this. This is really good. The word mighty things here, it means uh, fenced in things, walled in things, and also means inaccessible things. In other words, things that... Have you ever had things that seem like they were just 
too hard. I mean, we know nothing's too hard for God, right? But for your faith, <laughs> you know, or they seemed inaccessible. Amen. You know, you know, like sometimes in ministry, maybe you have things that you need to do or, or projects or things that you need to buy or you need to believe for. And they can seem inaccessible because literally you're over your head. You're over your head. You can't, you can't physically produce it. But God said, if you call unto me those things that are inaccessible, I'll make them accessible. See, faith, faith makes the seemingly impossible possible. Amen. So, <clears throat> Brother Hagin used to talk about, you know, some ladies in his church that, man, they knew how to get a hold of God. And he would say, if you don't want something, don't tell them because they'll get it. They learned, see, and this doesn't come overnight. This comes by spending time. You develop this friendship with God. Amen. You, you develop this intimacy with God. And, and don't think that that doesn't count with God. It does. Remember, God, God, God was so mad at Israel one time. He said, hey, if Moses and Samuel and Noah asked me, I wouldn't do it. But I thought, that's talking pretty high when God says, if those guys asked me, I wouldn't do it. But I mean, you know what I mean? It means God thinking, man, those guys got some authority. He was just simply saying they have some weight with me. I mean, Moses had, uh, Moses had some weight with God, wouldn't you say? Right. I mean, the fact that he taught God into doing things that God didn't want to do. Right. right? God was going to destroy Israel. That's what God said. Right? And Moses talked to him and he pled his case. And the Lord said, okay, I will pardon according to your word. Because you interceded. I'd say that's some power. And, what, you know, in the, in the old King James... You know, one time God, God, the Israelites get in trouble and Moses, he comes before God and God knows what's coming. He knows he's going to intercede for them. And God said to him, he said, let me alone. Now, when you, when you break that down in the Hebrew, what God said was get out of my face. How many think that would kind of be intimidating if God told you get out of my face? Don't even come before me with this. And Moses said, no, wait a minute, no, no. If you're going to wipe them out, wipe me out. And God said, hey, I'll wipe out who I want to wipe out. And <laughs> Amen. That, I'm sorry that this offends people that believe God never wiped anybody out. But, you know, I heard a preacher preaching. And I, I respect this guy. I just thought, where did you get that goofy doctrine? I've known of him for years. He's been a good preacher in the body of Christ. He still is a good preacher. But I thought, where'd that goofy doctrine come from? He said, Satan destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I thought, boy, what verse did you get that out of? Really? Uh, my Bible says God reigned. The Lord rained fire and brimstone from heaven. I don't believe I'd associate the Lord with Satan if I was you, brother. But anyway, all right, moving right along. That was good preaching right there. That's where it's coming for. See, people didn't understand that God, God he really, really, really uh, can develop a relationship with you. He loves you, right? Yes. But he, he wants to be, you know, he wants, he wants an intimate relationship with us. He wants that friendship. Amen. Now, I mean, if you're going to be a friend of somebody, you kind of got to have something in common. There's got to be some common ideas. 
You can love everybody, but not everybody's going to be your friend. Amen. So when you get, begin to think and talk and act like God and you spend time with God, you develop a relationship there. Amen. And it gives you power with him. Praise God. Hallelujah. It gives you power with God. Praise God. So what's the answer to an empty cupboard? Well, we have to have that ongoing, amen, uh, personal relationship, fellowship, and prayer with God where we're spending time with Him and like Jesus. If we have to get up a great hour before daylight to do it, which, you know, I'm not saying you have to, but if you do, if that's what it takes, then that's what you do, right? I said, right? right. It just depends on how bad you want it, and God will check that out too. Let I me mean, know that. Amen. He'll just check and see how much you want. Uh, you know, he still tests the hearts. And so he'll still see, you know, are, are you really sincere? Or, you know, amen. Praise God. You want to weed out, you know, like if you're, you know, in the natural, you want to weed out those that don't really want, don't really want it. Amen. From those that do, because those that don't, they're not going to do much. But those that do, they're going someplace. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.